good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you listen to the podcast. Have you subscribed to the podcast? Before you listen today, I want you to stop, go to that subscribe button, click on it, and then click on that bell so that you learn when the next episode gets released. After today's episode, I want you to also take a moment, write a review. Let Apple, let Spotify, let Google know that this podcast is worth your time and that you are gaining uh, benefit from this podcast. You're starting to understand dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and dyslexia and other related conditions. I want to tell you a story before I go to our guest today. I was about ready to knock on the door of Mrs. Xerxes' classroom when I overheard her talking to another teacher. And they were looking over this kid's worksheet and they were saying it's illegible. He only filled out two of the questions. And he really was was struggling uh, with his handwriting. And the uh, second uh, teacher said, hey, have you heard about the Writing Glitch podcast? You ought to check it out and also make a referral to OT. And I was just like, Yay. So that was just like a little excerpt of of my day the other day before I even went into the classroom with one of my uh, private students that I have. So it was just like, ah, somebody is listening. So I want to thank you to everyone out there that is listening. Also, I want to thank that teacher for the endorsement. Who am I? I'm Sherry Datter. I'm an occupational therapist and recovering dysgraphic. You right now, you're listening to The Writing Glitch, Hacking Dysgraphia, No Pencil Required. I really feel for these students that are struggling. And I found somebody who says that he has solved dyslexia. So I want to welcome today Russell Bedrocken. He is a dyslexia specialist out of Westlake, New York. And so, of course, because my daughter lives up in New York, I had to go figure out, like, how far away are you from her and stuff like that? You are due east of her about an hour. She lives in Utica. So, Ah, yes. My mother grew <laughs> up there. Well, there you go. So, welcome, Russell. How are you today, really? Uh, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's very busy. I'm in the process of uh, entering a business plan competition. In New York State, to I'm hoping to help use those funds to help spread what I'm doing across the state, and uh, it's just a lot of work. <laughs> yes, it is. Those competitions are a big amount of time and work, and getting all the ducks in a row is very uh, strategic. So, kudos to you. I'm proud of you for uh, going through that, and you will learn a lot about yourself and about your business going through that. So, kudos. I'm going to read Russell's bio just so that we get a good idea where uh, we're coming from here. Russell combined his brain research in Overcoming Dyslexia by Sally Shaywitz. I said her name right, right? Yep. That's Dr. Sally Shaywitz from Yale. Yeah. With three default strategies in Strategies for Struggling Writers by James Collins while in graduate school. As a result, his initial research program was funded by the New York State Senate and is owned by SUNY Research Foundation. Which one? The one in Albany? Oh, uh, yes. That was my guess. 
Um, that's where my daughter's attending. She's uh, attending SUNY Albany right now. He found that motivated high school students with dyslexia increased their writing skills by seven to eight grade levels in one academic year. That blows my mind. His approach is called the writing method. Russell presented at the Everyone Reading Conference in Manhattan in 2006 and from 2014 to 2019. He also presented November of 2018 at the conference by the Learning Disability Association of New Jersey. Just a little sidebar there before we uh, go on there, Russell. I'm doing a uh, presentation. I'm speaking at Everyone Reading Conference, and it's this year. It's in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So oh, I'm, good for uh, you. I'm speaking out there uh, and next month. So that's where I'll, one of the places I will be next month. Before we really get started on the interview, I'd like to introduce our sponsor. Our sponsor is Dutterer Educational Consulting. Get your dysgraphia certification here. Get started with our monthly webinar, Introducing Educators, Therapists, and Parents to the Impact Success Blueprint, your first step towards certification. This free webinar will jumpstart your journey into understanding the neurobiology of why kids refuse to write. The Impact Success Blueprint is a checklist to increase communication and collaboration for writing and math preparation. If you want to learn more, you want to go to sherrydotterer.com and you will find out all the information that you need to join the webinar. So without further ado, let's get started. Russell, tell us a little bit more about that research and how you got going into business and what is happening with this business competition. Like I'm going to throw them all at you at once. Okay. Well, what happened is I had an evaluation done when I was in college by Dr. Holichka. She's a SUNY distinguished professor and found out I had the worst case of dyslexia she's ever seen. So I applied in 97 to the New York State Assembly internship program. They looked at my evaluation and they kind of freaked out. So what they did is they got all their top people, their academics together, and they gave me a very extensive accommodation list put me in the majority leaders program at council's office for three administrative assistants. And at the end, they recommended 15 credits of 3.67 in A minus. SUNY Center of Buffalo's political science department looked at what they did and said, we don't agree with this, 15 credits of F. So I said, no more. I went about on a mission to solve dyslexia for highly motivated, highly intelligent, college-bound dyslectic students and everything became clear with Overcoming Dyslexia by Sally Chaywitz in the early 2000s. What, if you look at the current second edition, page 78, figure 23, you'll see the back part of the dyslectic brain has almost no neuroactivity. The unimpaired brain is going crazy. But the front part of the brain has about, we have about three times the neuroactivity. Okay. I'm going to pause you right there. So what you're saying you say the back part of the brain. That means the cerebellum has shut down, but the frontal lobe is overreacting. About three times overactive. So that which, deals with... Which also supports some of the research that I'm finding about cerebellar shutdown with kids post-trauma and and writing conditions. So just a little sidebar. I do that kind okay. of 
of stuff. But yeah, cerebellar shutdown is a, is a huge thing that they're learning more about every day. So go ahead. So what we did is I looked at the articulation. I said, okay, let's focus on our strengths. I combined Dr. Collins's three default writing strategies of copying, visualization, narrative. And I decided to use the graduate records exam analytical writing assessment because dyslectic professors excelled in graduate school and suffered every place else. In graduate school, we're in our speciality, our area of extreme interest and ability, and can we contribute? So our first student, her name was Michaela. She was uh, the best 11th grade student at the Averill Park Central School District. She should have been fighting to be valedictorian, but she was writing at the 8th grade level. Hmm. So we gave her the GRE pretest. Dr. Lichka scored it in the zero percentile, noticing that her spelling and grammar was a disaster. Then on the post-test, she scored a 4.5 out of 6, which was in the 50th percentile, and her spelling and grammar was clean at the graduate level. And we had similar results when we did a multi-year study funded by the New York State Senate. Uh, The post-test, all the grammar was clean at the graduate level, and the teacher spent almost no time on spelling and grammar. It auto-corrected. The vast majority of the students ended up going to SUNY Albany. They all graduated with GPAs between 2.5 to 3.6, no accommodations, cost the state 900 bucks, less than $900 per student. Now, when I presented this in 2006, I thought I was done. I was wrong. I was told two things. Number one, we had to transfer these skills for younger students, basically those who are writing as teachers tell me a bunch of randomly placed misspelled words. We have to get that to autocorrect. And for the older students, two things. They wanted, they didn't want the GRE, senior professors. They wanted to, number one, learn something each time they read a paper. And number two, they wanted to put it in the writing style of the craft of research, which was written by the University of Chicago decades ago for the PhD students who didn't know how to write. And they want high school kids to do this. So we're looking at an end product, an end state for the students, well above their advanced placement classmates. So let's just start off with the basic ones. The first thing we had to do was to help dyslectic students who were writing a bunch of randomly placed misspelled words write a simple three-word sentence, okay? So let's start off with your daughter. Tell me something, or you can pick another uh, another person. Tell me a dyslectic student and tell me something that they really, really love to do. Well, my daughter is a tropical meteorology grad student at SUNY Albany. Okay. And so her love is Kelvin waves. Don't ask me any more than Kelvin waves. Because because I don't have any idea what other than the fact that they start over in Africa. Okay. Now, what's her first name? Krista. Krista. So what we're going to do is what I found is dyslexia is primarily an organizational problem. So when I asked dyslectics or dysgraphia, ADD, ADHD, in your specialty, what you really care about, do you have ideas flying around your head at light speed, key question, but with little to no organization? Oh, yes, she does. Yes. Okay. I get a yes. (laughs) Now, this is, I got to, I'm going to say this twice. To fix it, we're going to force the brain to organize itself by using writing as a measurable output. Again, we're going to force the brain to organize itself by using writing as a measurable output 
And as we go through that process, I'll describe how spelling and grammar is generally going to autocorrect. So again, your, your daughter's name is Krista and she likes what again? Tropical hurricanes. <laughs> Tropical hurricanes. Okay. So yeah. what we're going to do yeah. is we're going to start off with hero plus sign. What are we talking about? The student's going to type, not handwrite, not type on an iPad or an iPhone, but on a real keyboard. They're going to type hero plus sign. What are we talking about? Then they're going to exchange hero for Krista plus sign. What are we talking about? Hero plus sign tropical hurricanes. Now I'm going to ask you a very specific question that almost no teachers when I present at conferences gets correct. So try to answer my question as precisely as possible. Does Krista like or dislike tropical hurricanes? Can I go with love? No, let's just go with like. Does like. Krista like or dislike like. tropical? Krista likes hurricanes. And there's can and, I, and that's can not I what I asked. Well, wait a second, but here's the point. That's not what I asked. I asked, does Krista like or dislike tropical hurricanes? You automatically added the yes. But dyslectic students who can't write basic sentences don't know how to add the yes. So a, a dyslectic student would have said like. The question is, how do we get students to add the yes? And how do we get them to correct their other major grammatical errors? And how we do that is we have the student read what they wrote out loud, Krista, like tropical hurricanes. And then we're going to ask Krista, you read it out loud. Does it sound generally correct? And her answer is going to be, does it sound generally Hopefully, correct? No. <laughs> no. Because, because it doesn't be, sound. Right. Because you're missing the S on like. Right. So it doesn't sound generally correct. So then we tell her to fix it. Krista likes tropical hurricanes. Now, what we do when we give this information away is we show students how to go through a hundred sentences. And where you're going to end up with is Krista adores tropical hurricanes because reason one, two, and three. <laughs> Most dysgraphia, that'll take care of it for a hundred sentences. If that doesn't work, then we do another 100 sentences. I've never had a student need more than 400 sentences to correct that from writing a bunch of randomly placed misspelled words to writing basic sentences like that. So what yep. you're saying is it would be Crystal likes hurricanes, Crystal likes Kelvin waves, Crystal likes studying the tropics kind of a thing. We like, have, or do yeah, you we have, have ten- standard sentences that they move to? Yes, we have a list of 10 likes and 10 dislikes that we have based on what is in the student's speciality, their area of extreme interest and ability. And just because I've given this talk so many times, I hired a professional spokesperson whose uh, son was autistic, who she homeschools, and we, we rewrote the script. It comes out to a little under a half an hour, and we have about a 35-page document we can send your listeners. And then they just go through that. And at the end, it's Krista adores or cherishes tropical hurricanes because, you know, reason one, two, and three. And you do that with no spelling errors and the grammar is pretty clean. Okay. So that's just the first word. The punctuation, 
the where we get in trouble with that one is the Oxford comma, one comma or two commas. You have to figure out what way you want to go. But that's just the start with the sentences. Then what we do is we move on to, if you look in the grammar book, you have simple, compound, complex, compound, complex sentences. My students just like simple and complex. They don't like the other two. So we don't teach the other two. So here's our simple sentence. We have a hero. Hero wants to do something. So you tell me what the hero wants to do. Depending on your level, you're going to write me anywhere from one sentence to a dozen paragraphs on what the hero wants to do. Then we go and we search for the action word. That's the word that takes the hero towards the general direction they want to go or the most important word. We, if there's multiple ones, we whittle them down to one each, decide which way we want to go. That is our base universal theme. Then we go into thesaurus.com and we start looking for a word that best represents what's in our head. And we go through that until we find that best word. And sometimes you have to go down multiple levels. That's our universal theme. And then we find our optimal villain. Okay. Put that together. There's a simple sentence. As you're going through, what I recommend for students is if there's a word you don't know, type out the word, go to Merriam-Webster's or Oxford English Online Dictionary, pick your definition, and then type it out. You type out the word and the definition. I've had 10, 11-year-olds go through this process intensely for a couple of months, but by that time, they had this massive vocabulary of 500, 1,000 words that they'd constantly run into, and they will go through 100, 200 words in five or 10 minutes and say, this is the best one, and I didn't have to look up any of the definitions because I know them. Years later, when they're studying for their SAT, they already know what the word means, mm-hmm. Okay. So that simple process. Now we do, if you're interested in learning how to, we have a webinar where we take you through that process and then all the way through a basic five paragraph essay. If folks are interested in that, uh, we give you a thousand dollars off because you're on on the webinar. I'm sorry, the uh, podcast. I find podcast parents are much more motivated than most of the general public. And we stay with you until you get to that point. Our next course takes the essence of the craft of research, and we show you how to build up more advanced essays to about the eighth or ninth grade level. And that's generally where most people stop. Our course after that, I think you'll find this interesting. I want you to imagine advanced placement in English. You're in there with, let's say, 20 students, and you're writing on Romeo and Juliet. How often do you think that teacher reads a paper that they've actually learned something from? Not much. Yeah, hardly ever. I can, our next the, the course. Kids, kids regurgitate what they hear when they're in. Right. High but what we've created was a program where we use some artificial intelligence ethically. The teacher approves the use of artificial intelligence when and how much, depending on where it is in the course. So that, so they make the decision if you're using and how much and where. And at the end of that course, you're going to pre- present a paper where the teacher will actually learn something substantive. That's we reduce cool. that to a form. Yeah, well, it's taken me 20 years to come up with that. The final one, we show you how to write based on the craft of research, which is, uh, again, used for PhD students at the University of Chicago decades ago. And when I have my students go to college and the professors look at the thing, how do you know this? They now want 
to work with the students based on understanding how to write papers at that level using that process where they learn something in each paper. They want to work with their students based on their writing skills, not want to work with them because of writing concerns. So Mm -hmm. we devolved that because in the original course, you know, we we just took uh, the students right up on the graduate records exam. But we found it was only for the most motivated students who could, and it was just, it was too, it was very hard course. So then we had to devolve it into these four to get actually a better outcome. And we, we can show parents how to teach their kids how to do this. And I, I teach teachers it all the time. Hmm. This sounds like RT in impact. I mentioned the impact success blueprint. Impact is an acronym. And the T stands for transcendence. And basically it Mm -hmm. is we're teaching kids how to storytell. So this really aligns with our T in the impact success blueprint. So as people are starting to hear more about this blueprint and how it impacts writing and math skills, think about Russell's course and how it might be able to help your students with their writing skills. Now, I'm going to back up a step because I want to tell you something else about Krista. And that is she was a creative writer up until 2016. Mm -hmm. In 2016, she had her third, I think it was, concussion. Since that concussion in 2016, which incidentally happened just because she stood up and lost her balance and hit a wall, mind Mm -hmm. you. Um, So it wasn't like a big... uh, like literal accident, like she was in sports or something like that. It was, she was drying her hair with the towel. She went to flip the towel up over her head and lost her balance and hit a wall and hit it where the towel really wasn't doing anything. And so um, this particular concussion took her from a working memory of 99 because before this, she didn't have issues with writing. It is now at the 30th percentile. And beforehand, she was a very quiet ADHD er. Now she is much more vocal about the ADHD bitch. She's also an adult now. So she learned how to speak out for herself and advocate. But her ADHD symptoms went through the roof since that concussion. And I went through a, concu- a major concussion, and I was under the care of a professor from Albany uh, Medical School for years who taught residents. And I ha- I've been dealing with the same thing. So mm-hmm. I've lost the ability to do the simple things day to day. I can still do the advanced stuff and I have assistance to help fill in the gap. But there are ways, for example, that could potentially help her overcome her writing concerns. So let me just ask, what she's in graduate school now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's got to get, uh, she's gotta get she- her dissertation written by December of next year. Okay, how is she going about writing it? That's a very good question. All I know is I right mean, now she's writing a lot of Python code because she's doing the the mapping and stuff for the hurricanes. Okay. So this is my, and she is very similar to what you said in that she does calculus, she does physics, but you ask her to add, subtract, multiply, and divide, she can't do it. Okay, but as far as the writing is concerned, because I've had professors, one of my mentors, who became one of the world's top economists, Dr. James Holmes, said he stopped counting rewriting his dissertation after 100 attempts, 100 rewrites. Th- th- this was back. Not far. Uh, I even got through <laughs> one yet. But <laughs> um, yeah, but but as far as 
there are ways that I could show her how to, I, I don't know if they will work a hundred percent because of the concussion, but there are ways of improving things significantly for people like us generally. Uh, they may not, not be as effective with the concussion, but we can see, I'll be happy to, to show her a few things to help her with that. Well, that would be fantastic. I will ask her if she is willing to go that extra mile because she does a lot of research on her own. Oh, she's, um, she's, She's very busy. Um, what you what you can tell her is, for example, that original program that I created might be something she'd want to go through. And uh, as I said, it was designed for high school kids. But um, I could have her meet with Dr. Yelcentosh. You might find this interesting. He's a PhD medical doctor, business uh, MBA. He used to run the SUNY Research Foundation for Technology Transfer. He's also dyslectic, so it'd be nice to have her meet somebody from the university that's outside her department. Well, he's retired now, but he can discuss what it's like, and I can I can show her a few processes that could really help improve writing. I'm not sure as they'll be they're not as effective without a concussion, but with it, I still have found I've worked with dyslectics with concussions where it had a marked improvement. That's pretty cool. So hopefully this discussion that we're having about my daughter doesn't distract uh, you, the listener, from listening and taking anything away from this. Think about your own child. What's going on with them? Consider what uh, Russell has to offer. I don't know. I didn't even figure out. Are you a PhD? Are you a doctor? Do you have your doctorate? <laughs> my, that's that's a long story. My my, when I told you about my original program, mm -hmm. when I went back to New York State to do this, I was told I had to get a SUNY Distinguished Professor to approve it. There were two in Buffalo. Dr. Holichka agreed to do it. Then I had to get the approval uh, from Dr. Collins. And mm -hmm. then I had to get the approval from the, from the state education department. I had to get the approval from teachers. And then finally presented in, two, in, in 06. So um, I just went through it a different way. So you have your doctorate, but you went through it in a no. A I, I I skipped I skipped the coursework. I didn't have time for the course. Okay, let me give you an example. I went to get my work approved by Dr. Collins. People told me it was going to take three five years. All this stuff that your daughter's going through. I didn't have three to five years. I was entered into a university wide comp uh, competition. I got his approval for my curriculum in under two weeks. Ooh. And then I didn't look back. So all go. the stuff, what I had to do, just understand it. The teacher who taught this, her name was Susan Ford at Avril Park High School. She came to me and said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a, a passenger. I want to be a co-pilot. So I not only had to make it happy for her, I, she needed to take my curriculum and totally rewrite it to meet her teaching style and the student she's working with. I had to make her happy. I had to make the professors happy, the school district. And it was beyond difficult, but then I did it. And then when I went back, I took eight years off. That what I showed you at the beginning, how to get the students to write a three word sentence or four word sentence, that took eight years. And then I built it up to what we discussed already how to take a kid who couldn't write a single basic sentence all the way through writing at the craft of the research level. And I can tell you, there's not a high school in the country that 
teaches that. What I love about people that go into a PhD program, and when I when I uh, when I'm podcasting people with PhDs, they'll say, "What did you do to get your aha moment?" And they'll tell me. And I'll say, "What did your professors do to help you with that aha moment?" Nothing. So that's why in our third course we show you how to create those aha moments, and then how to package it in the craft of research in our fourth course. So that when you when you're finished, the professors want to work with you because of your writing skills. So I didn't have the time. I had I didn't have the time to go through the traditional what your daughter's going through. I just went right up to it. And then what I found, the two most crowning events of my career was last year. I was asked essentially by the state of New Jersey to teach their mid-level managers how to take students from C-spot run to a five-paragraph essay. And mm-hmm. I had less than two hours to do it. I did that twice. Nice. And then I was asked to be a reviewer for the reading programs for the International Dyslexia Association annual conference. I do that each year. So what, what, what I found is once you've been, once you've presented and then you keep presenting again and again, that's all, that's all the people care about. So it's been, as I said, I was one of those people that was told not to go to college. I started college with a first grade writing level a first grade reading level. Mm-hmm. All right. So it was until I entered, I started my graduate work. It was, it was heck. And then graduate school, as I said, I just bypassed everything. And there are advantages to being dyslectic. Yeah. I have my master's degree and it wasn't that I had and found it easy to get through, but I feel with all the research I've done since I got my master's degree, that mm-hmm. I would have the equivalent of what you're saying. I just never got a credential through a school to have that. But I've published, I actually have published in an inter- international textbook now. And um, I have two books that have been uh, published and one on the way. And I'm working on a on a third, uh, a fifth one. So we kind of have a similar path where we don't have an official PhD, but I feel like I have an honorary degree in dysgraphia. <laughs> well, when in my feet, you're, you're presenting, at, you're presenting, you know, as you said, in October. I'm, I'm presenting in a, well, this will not air until after the, those presentations. So I'm presenting October of, of 2023. I'm doing a poster session at IDA and I'm speaking mm-hmm. at, the Everyone Reads Conference in Illinois two weeks later. Okay. And that's, and when you go in front of teachers, they want to know, that's it. So when I was asked to be a reviewer for the reading programs, when I was asked by essentially the state of New Jersey to teach 80 of their top people who each one runs essentially a school district, how to go from C-spot run to a basic five-paragraph essay, that was all the legitimacy that I could ever look for. I mean, I was the only person there for writing. So mm-hmm. the thing is, I said, when, when I went to do this, Dr. Holichka was a SUNY distinguished professor in psychology. Dr. Collins was a, the top professor in Western New York and SUNY for writing. He had a $1.5 million grant from the U.S. Education Department. Mm-hmm. And his book, Strategies for Struggling Writers, is just it, I just took his, his work from mild dyslexia to severe dyslexia. As a dyslexic, it took me less than two weeks to get his approval. Now I'm out there in the real world trying to get, I mean, when when Susan Ford said she wanted to be a co-pilot, 
that means that she had to take my material and rewrite it her own way. To make it that flexible, that's not normally done. So that made the experimental design really difficult for Dr. Halichka to create. Why do I keep going back to her? Because she's one of the world's preeminent psychologists, and she's known as an authority in the field. When she says something, people listen. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, the advantage of dyslexia. Uh, All the stuff your daughter's going through, I just skipped it. (laughs) (laughs) All right? So the key thing, though, is for those parents when you're dealing with dysgraphia, the simple, just look at the model. Go and get Overcoming Dyslexia, second edition page 78, figure 23, look at the overactive front part of the brain. And I kind of equate this to Michael Jordan giving him a basketball or a hockey stick. Let's give him a basketball. What I found is it's not articulation first, it's word analysis first, followed by articulation after the word because. And then what we do is we focus on Dr. Collins' three default writing strategies of copying, visualization, and narrative in the student's speciality, their area of extreme interest and ability. And I have parents say, oh, my kid will never do this. Well, once you get in their speciality, I had one student, her name was Casey. She was 10 years old, fifth grade, reading at the second grade level. So she was really interested in Theodore Roosevelt. So I assigned her the rise of Theodore Roosevelt. 900 pages, Pulitzer Prize winner, 10th grade to first year college level. And she insisted on doing reading first. So I said, okay, here's the process. She sat down for two to three hours a night, six, seven nights a week for six months. Then she started sixth grade, and I get a call from her, from her mom. She says, the school called, thinking, what is her daughter doing reading this book? She's reading better than anybody else in her grade because other kids tried. They took her book. They couldn't get past the first paragraph. She's reading anything with no problem. They thought that she was dyslectic, and now she's reading far beyond everybody else. And I said, what do you think your daughter's been doing up in her room for two to three hours a night? I saw her 15 minutes a week. Okay? That's what her mom could afford. I I worked with her an hour a month. And then after that, we started getting serious. But uh, Casey's now in, in her senior year doing extraordinarily well, and school's no longer an issue. So the process, if it's so simple, a 10-year-old can get it. And parents tell me, oh, they won't do it. Well, when you're in your speciality, they will stay in it for hours. I've had mm-hmm. to pull kids out of working on their book and turning off the audio book because we have them use both and say, you do have to do some of your homework. You do have to go to bed because they're so into finally getting past this barrier. This, just just weight around their neck, this albatross. And they, they, when they get done, they, they, they tell me, I just feel so free now. It's not a problem anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, so it's not, it's not that hard to do once you follow the process. And our primary method of doing it is we show the parents how to teach their kids. Because quite frankly, trying to get the school district involved I mean, half the time I have parents suing federal school districts and federal court. It's a disaster. And it's just like, it's just easier to solve it yourself. Yeah. Because even if you win, then you're going to send them to a uh, Dr. Orton based school. Dr. Orton passed away in 1948, such as like the Gowell School in Western New York. 
and they're 50 to 80,000 a year and they take years. But if you do go to one of those schools, you're going to be fine. But you want to send your, your child away to a boarding school, even mm -hmm. if you could afford it. Most parents don't. So what we're going to do is I'm going to send you a link. If they click on that, they can come and set up a 90-minute free session with me where we'll discuss their child's individual dyslexia concerns. I will show them the system. It will either work for their child or it won't. It works for the vast majority. And if it's something they're interested in, we can continue with a webinar. And with a webinar, we don't do it for five or seven weeks. We stay with you until your kid can write a, a decent five-paragraph essay. And by that, I mean the school telling you it's like at a C to B minus level, somewhere in there. And okay. then if you're interested, then we move on to the more advanced material. And again, the school district telling you C to B minus level. And then we keep going all the way, you know, if you want to learn how to succeed brilliantly in college and in graduate school. But to tell you the truth, most of the students will just go through the first two courses and then they think that they're done. Okay. And how do they find you? I'm going to send you a link that you can put on the bottom of the podcast and they can click on it and set up a time. Okay. So... You'll have to uh, listen, look at the show notes to uh, find out where to uh, find Russ to meet Russell. Is there anything else that you'd like yep. to add before we close today? I just want to let people know I went through this academic hell. I don't want other people to go through it. Please take a chance to look at Overcoming Dyslexia, Second Edition, Page Seventy-Eight, Figure Twenty-Three. Uh, look at Dr. Collins's work with strategies for struggling writers. Understand that that question I asked about thinking very quickly with, in your specialty, having ideas flying around your head at light speed, but with little to no organization. Understand the basic model. Ask me about it in our private, in our one-on-one -on -one conversation. I can talk with you and your dyslectic child, and it's going to be a green light. This is something that makes sense to me or not, but most of the time it is, and then I would just like to help you to solve this, to get this arbitrage around your neck. We don't need to suffer anymore. We now know the science and it's just a matter of applying it the correct way. And then we're done. We can go on and we can be successful. Amazing. The Write English podcast is released on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. Don't forget to subscribe, write a review and listen to the podcast whenever you have the chance. If you want to find our website, it's thewritingglitch.com. And if you're looking for interventions, you can head over to thewritingglitch.com forward slash pocketcast. And that's where I'm leaving all my interventions. They're no longer here on the podcast. Remember, you were put here for such a time as this. And C Productions manages post-production of this podcast. Thank you, Sam, for everything that you do. And thank you for being here. I'm going to give you your honorary doctorate. Dr. Russell, uh, it's great to have you here with us today. Thank you.